taking command is the story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. Morning, 1776, Grand Banks, Mass. Three schooners ride the waves. On board, we see two marblehead men climbing up the ropes and other dory men waiting in their fishing boats to be lowered into the water by long tethered ropes along the schooner's sides. Stephen, our turn at the crow's nest. They better catch us some. They climb the high ropes. Christian, did you hear about the Prohibition Act? No. Climbing one above the other as they yell above the wind. Not supposed to fish. Stephen says, who cares? The English don't rule us. We are free on the sea. Captain Glover is here today. Christian, what's he going to do? Mason, hocus pocus? Cut to the men in their boats on the waves. Sean, yeehaw. Laughter is heard from the joyous-to-be-fishing dorymen. Turner, I'm going to get the most today. Yeah, right. When do you ever? Cut to the crow's nest. The wind is strong today, Christian says. Stephen, what's that? Christian, the wind is, no, over there. He points. Something in the mist. English man of war. Oh, shit, man of war. Christian, sound the whistle. Stephen blows a high-pitched whistle. Cannon, cannon, they're firing. Get down, get down. It missed, it missed. We see fishing dorymen rowing swiftly to the schooner. They tie their boats to lines to be hauled up later and scurry up the ropes as the mighty English fleet appears with over a hundred ships. Cut to the dorymen who look at the fleet in awe. Cut back to the English man of war, Cerberus. On board, we see General William Howe and officers. Shall we fire again, sir? No, gave them a scare. The war has not started yet. General Howe looks at his officers. Lunch, I believe. Scene five, at the officers' mess, all in dress uniform and seated around the table. General Henry Clinton, 45 years old, says, Lieutenant Chris, what says our ancient tradition? General Clinton, our ancient tradition says when war is declared, the British army is an instrument without parts or passion put into the hands of the state. King, Clinton says. Chris, pardon General Clinton, yes. The king indeed, but if I may, Clinton nods. Isn't our king the state who ensures the will of God for the glory of God? The officers laugh at Clinton, who has been one-upped. Clinton is eager to settle the score as he takes a solemn tone. Where do you see yourself in five years, Captain Crist? In your chair, General, Chris says. Clinton's mouth slightly opens as the other officers bust up in silent laughter. 
that threatens to explode and does. Clinton hides his anger. Colonel Mackenzie speaks as he laughs. <laughs> beyond the pale, Chris. Entirely beyond the pale. Balfour busting up. Chris has his family's wit. How nods. Lord Sutton's. Mackenzie, indeed, General. No better time is found than at the Sutton hunt. Nods and chuckles all around. General Bragone, 52 years old, says, Yes, very good, Chris, for making me laugh. On a more serious note, what think you, General Howe? Will this take long? Howe says, If I am in command, one battle. Bragone, I second that, the one battle part, since Gage is still our commander. When the rebels see our troops arrayed in our bayoneted Hessians, Welsh, and regulars, they'll turn tail and run. If Clinton commands, the map is his. He'll know the strategy, but execution? All laugh except Clinton. Colonel Patterson says, Then the plan, General Howe, is scare than ensnare. And as General Bragone says, they'll run. Then back in time for hunting season. Precisely, Patterson. Precisely, General Howe says, both smiling. Mackenzie says, I hear the fields are fair, as well as the ladies. Let's get the job done and hunt. Why not? They will be our lands. All the officers stand, here, here. Patterson leads them in song. God save the king. And then they sit. Clinton says, How? Your brother may not need to sail, even though I hear the admiralty is his. Bested Lord Sandwich's man, Bragone says, a Tory, I believe. You hear before me, how intonates. Bragone in a theatric tone, how your brother, Sir George, God rest his soul, fought with some of these colonials in the French Indian, as did you. What do you think, jests aside? A momentary disturbance across Howe's face. Brother's name was taken lightly. Lord Howe Bragone. On the level, the other officers all look at each other and smile and nod with Howe in brotherhood. Bragone is the only non-Mason there. As you will, Bragone says. No, Bragone, as God wills. That is why we are here. Hal looks around the table and catches the eyes of his officers and their nods. Bragone almost rolls his eyes but stops short as Hal's glance levels on him. Hal says, yes, many colonials are religious people, but not warriors, not soldiers by profession. They may have passion for their cause, but without strategy and field intuition, their chances are dim. What proficiency they may have is derived from similar blood they share with us. Clinton speaks too ardently, and his face has flushed. How? Suppose the colonials do abound in men of similar ilk to ourselves. They are on the whole undisciplined and cowardly, and our cause is the true cause for king and for country. Did not General Grant say with 5,000 British regulars he could march from one end of the American continent to the other? Light clapping from the officers. Clinton becomes increasingly red-faced. Colonel Mackenzie notices and helps out. Indeed, well stated, General Clinton. 
but I tend more toward General Howe's conclusions. The rebels' character remains to be seen and weighed. From what I hear, they fight for liberty. If that is true, their zeal and spirit for their cause will be felt by us soon enough. For if they are of circumstance, our influencing principle, sorry, General Burgone, we may be met with more resistance than we have anticipated. Laughter. Brigadier General Robert Pagot. Yes, Colonel, jesting aside, while many with little developed common sense often are unable to perceive what power commands the action on the field, we are not so limited. Indeed, Patterson says, service to our overarching principle is our motto. Officers slapped the table with a show of zeal. How is seen grinning in fellowship with Patterson? We will see, gentlemen, we will see. In our first skirmish, we will know if there be zeal. Lunch and meeting concluded, all get up and walk out. We see Bragone with his aide, a non-Mason speaking in low voices, nodding. Politics is not Howe's forte, Bragone says. Neither Howe, it is said, the aide replies. Camera cut to Patterson and Howe. Your brother, the Admiral, will be arriving shortly. Haven't seen him in a while. Patterson, sensing Howe's desire to speak in confidence, draws closer. Howe is nodding and thinking and speaks in a low voice. Burgone speaks lightly of my brother. Patterson looks as Howe is filled with memory and then pulls back from that. Howe recovers. A Tory government sending Whigs to command? Patterson raises his brows, nodding. As you thought, General, to take the fall later. Howe is himself with a barely perceptible grin. We will see. Scene 6, London, England. We see Lord Germain, 48, a six-foot medium build, walking down a long ministerial hall through other aristocrats. He has a confident look as he passes by stifled whispers. Germain stops and speaks to some briefly, including a heavy-set Lord North. Now the camera cuts to Germain's destination, King George III's chambers, where the king is in audience with Lord Robert Howe, age 48, second cousin to the king and General Howe's older brother. King George, yes, I know Lord North did not forget that he had promised you the next admiralty position. Lord Robert, I'm guessing he also promised Lord Sandwich's man. Tricky biz these positions. I will not hold it against North. He has been most agreeable and apologetic in regards to your appointment to the American Admiralty. Lord Admiral Howe says, thank you, your majesty. Lord Robert, let me make my position on this rebellion absolutely clear. I want it over as fast as possible. Yes, you and your brother William are also designated peace commissioners. Still, the order is one general battle, if need be two to quell their spirit, and then peace discussions. How? Yes, your majesty, and, if I may, the king waves his hand that no words are needed as he turns to a cabinet and takes out a green envelope. 
the king says. Let's hope rebellion is silenced and you do not need to use this. My brother and I never take the easy way out, your majesty. The king smiles and nods. There is a knock at the door. The king says, I would not have you and Lord Germain meet at this time. The king motions toward the other door and the admiral leaves. He nods to his attendant to let in Germain. The camera cuts back to the hall filled with ministers waiting to see the king or discussing court business. Lord Sandwich says, the Whigs have their peace commissioners in on this affair now that the Howe brothers are in charge of the American theater. Lord Walpole nods. Sandwich says, they are excellent in the field, but politics entirely predictable. Walpole. Lord Howe headed off your man for the American admiralty position, or was that Germain's doing? Sandwich shrugs, and the other's eyes smile with having thus demolished him. Lord Walpole says, I say, only the admiral is the peace commissioner. His brother William the general end this rebellion in one battle. Undaunted as a rock he is, and silent like the admiral, but lightning quick in conception, prompt in execution, and perfect in action. As I have heard, to see General Howe operating the field is to see the best that there is, a true professional, a Caesar, like his late commander, James Wolfe. He nods with deference. The Admiral, though, wants peace. His late brother, Lord George, loved America, and they built him a statue in Boston and a shrine in Westminster. Lord Robert carries his brother's torch for the rebels now. And the king, Sandwich says, he wants the rebellion squelched. And he, I'll say no more. Walpole, yes, I agree. It's futile to negotiate with these Americans. To send the admiral to treat with the rebels is worthy of a childish mind. Sandwich, taken unaware, says, Lord North? Walpole wears a slight gleam, for he got him to say that. I have done with this subject, Sandwich says, and do you be silent upon it. Walpole nods and smiles a little as he speaks. How Bragone and Clinton, the major generals under Commander-in-Chief Gage, will they get on? Will you excuse me, Walpole? I have been waiting to see... Sandwich heads off as the Duke of Richmond approaches Walpole. A lot going on today. I see you know already. Interesting turn of events. Richmond says, I'd say the brave silent Howes will get the job done. Their allegiance to king and country is an example for us all. Few here truly know them, especially General Howe. Richmond takes in the minister's ambitions around him. The Howes keep everything close to the vest. General Bagone was not asked to participate in this American affair. He offered himself. A very vain and ambitious man with a half-understanding. Walpole smiles, often worse than none. Then there is Clinton, they laugh. He has not Bragone's fault, for he has no sense at all. Walpole says, but I have it from the best authority he can read a map. They laugh. Camera cuts to the king's chamber, 
where we see Germain, the king, and other lords. Lord Germain, we have recently made you our new secretary for our American colonies. We want these rebels silenced as quickly as possible. Lord Robert understands our mission. One battle and then peace. See to it, Germain. Yes, your majesty. Our field generals will deal your riotous subjects one quick and decisive blow. Scene seven. England, foggy, mist-blown night. A Masonic meeting has just ended in the fashionable part of London. Men are seen coming out of a grand doorway. The camera enters the doorway where we find Benjamin Franklin and Admiral Howe and a brethren lord walking together on their way out. What say you, Franklin? Sanctity of spirit, not blood, Franklin says. The Lord departs. The guard, be a light to the world from the center, masters. They each cross arms. At X marks the spot and nods. My dear Franklin, Admiral Howe says, shall we have our usual? I would be happy to, my friend. Howe, please come to my home, Franklin. I believe you know the way. Ah, here comes my carriage. I will be with you directly, driver. Right you are, sir. The coaches leave. Cut to Franklin and Howe sipping sherry before a fire. My lord, Franklin says, your state's prohibition act will be the last straw. Wars begin in earnest over less. Howe, my dear Franklin, you have ever reasoned well with your state. If you do your part and secure the pacification of the colonies, you will receive every reward my king can bestow. Rather, Franklin says, if you receive the appointment of peace commissioner to America, I will work with you in both a public and a private way to ensure Providence's outcome. Now, friend Franklin, what I am about to impart to you should not leave our fellowship. Franklin nods. As you know, my brother William and I have always valued our liberal friends both here and in America, above all others, Hal says. My wish is not for war, but for peace. I was about to lose the admiralty in America, so I changed my tone. I agreed with the ministry that the way to put down colonial insurrection was with all of England's might, in one battle or two if necessary. I seemed ardent and received the commission. However, in truth, I am still a peace commissioner. Whatever the crown's position may prove to be, it will not be for want of my inclination should the olive branch not rise superior to the din of war. Franklin says, my brother in fellowship, this is a time to speak clearly. It may not be now in this time that our Masonic brethren rise up to God's liberty call and enable the founding of our new Jerusalem to be the shining light for the world to emulate. But if we perceive from within that this is the time for America to be a free and independent country under God, will you support our ancient cause? The Admiral takes in Franklin and draws breath slowly in. Jerusalem. Franklin nods, and the Admiral proceeds slowly. Yes, 
and only if there comes a time that my brother and I perceive it to be God's will that America become our new Jerusalem, the torchbearer of our order's ideal for liberty, for all religion's followers and their quest to know God. If providence shows us the way, we will be the most willing players in the scheme. Otherwise, this conversation never happened. Brother Franklin, until that time, my heart will remain entirely with England's cause. Franklin says, I absolutely understand my brother. As my friend Patrick Henry once said, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. Soon, I think, we will establish God's new system, one holding universal sway. His design will enable each country to keep their bonds of citizenship as they remain true to God's ideals by following the example of their wisest those with God's one common sense raised up through perfected feel from every walk of life. The Admiral nods with Franklin. How does this end, Franklin? It's a mystery, but if God is victorious through us, his feel felt as a higher frequency will flow through other vessels and maybe in another time we will be raised up again to further his ever evolving design they smile but for now let each of us work through our masonic friends i know not whom providence will raise up in this time as his foremost vessel but let us be ever vigilant through prayer to receive the smallest summons, to act with zeal at a moment's notice, to work God's next desire. Until that day, Franklin, Howe raises his sherry glass and they toast. In God's time, my Lord Admiral Howe. Scene 8, noon, Boston, 1776, inside the Green Dragon Masonic Meeting Place, Master Mason's meeting is ending, and we see Joseph Warren, 35 years old, medium bill, the head of Congress, the safety committee, warrior, and the best doc in Boston. All the Masons say, ever seek perfection in the living flame of circumstance. The meeting ends, a few gather to converse. Patrick Henry says, the British state grows ever more corrupt as all states do when God's principles are not the government's. Indeed, Samuel Adams intones, England flies its colors of subjugation with her new Prohibition Act. John Rao, what say you want draws near for liberty to be the cornerstone of our new republic? My spies say Commander Gage intends a major assault with the impending arrival of his generals, Howe, Clinton, and Burgoyne. Hmm, Samuel Adams, General William Howe, brother to the statue in the square, Sir George Howe, the very one, Warren says, died in the arms of our Colonel Putnam, Henry comments, French Indian War, New England's Masons gladly spent 250 pounds for his tribute in Westminster Abbey. 
good man and a mason. Where is our spy master, Franklin Warren? Still in England, pressing our Masonic cause with the other Howe, Lord Howe, or rather, newly assigned Admiral Howe. No one better than Franklin. He feels and knows a person's soul and masked intent immediately. Adam smiles. Only you would know the same, Warren. A light smile passes over Warren, we meet at the safety committee next, and then Congress, we should go. I am with you, sir. As Warren and Patrick Henry walk down a long corridor, two younger masons singing and conversing can be seen coming toward them, Tom and Jeremy. But what I've said, I'll say again. Tis love, pure love, cements the whole. Love of the bottle and the bowl. Done singing, and then they're laughing. Tom, how'd you like it? I loved it, especially that simple dance, the inward-outward dance to the center flame. Will they accept me? Tom, do you believe in God? Indeed I do, Tom nods. With zeal, of course. Jeremy, of course. I could tell a few of them were sizing me up to see if I had the one common sense. Warren and Henry approach them, and Warren intuits their drift. I'll catch up with you in a minute, Patrick. Patrick walks on. Warren says, you felt that. I could tell. Tom nods. Jeremy, I'm sorry, sir, to interrupt. We were too loud. Jeremy bows, and as Warren speaks, he crosses his arms at X. No need to bow here, young sirs. We are all equal before God and fellowship, and having God's good common sense is especially respected here. I hope to see both of you young men again. Remember, Providence is the heights, and in the depths within, at your center X, there you will find a glorious, free-flowing liberty. Fare thee well. Warren leads. My God, Jeremy said, was that the man himself, Joseph Warren? Tom, it was. I cannot believe it. It is rumored he is part of everything for our liberty. Tom whispers, even the tea party, but no one knows for sure. I'd follow Master Warren anywhere, Jeremy says. Jeremy, you're not the only one. <laughs> Jeremy, looking with a great smile, willing to fight Tom and take a bullet for the cause that's right. Both of them to the gates of hell and back. Let us join the Sons of Liberty. Sons of Liberty, yes, the Sons of Liberty. Scene 9. Morning, 8 a.m., Sons of Liberty, Tom and Jeremy, putting up handbills. We see and hear the pounding of nails into the poles. Townspersons, what's this? Tom, Master Warren speaks today at 6 p.m. for Liberty against the Prohibition Act after we burn it. What's that, he says? Jeremy, I'll read it. A small group listens. To pass through the fire at six o'clock this evening in honor of the immortal goddess of liberty, the late infamous act of the British Parliament for further distressing the American colonies. The place of execution will be the public parade where all sons of liberty are desired to attend and then hear the immortal words of Congressman Joseph Warren. Thank you, young sir. Yes, I will be there. 
Joseph Warren, we must all go forth and gather everyone. Yes, by six. I love that one he did. A future day will crown us masters of the main. Tom says, our Joseph Warren speaks like no other. He is our liberty. Everybody come. Jeremy, come, Tom. Let's finish. A townsperson, I have heard Warren say all religions are equal. Knowing God is the key. Everyone nods. It, is it true? He sent out Paul Revere. The first guy nods and looks around and seeing no one says, he was, he was the last man out at Lexington and Concord. The English call him our incendiary. All are nodding. Mum's the word. See you there. Yes, see you there. Scene 10. We see people stopping to read the flyers on a number of poles with great excitement. Then the scene fades to the 6 p.m. gathering. Hundreds are coming of all varieties. Prohibition Act is burnt in the town square to the delight of the crowd. Electric excitement builds and we feel the revolutionary zeal growing as the crowd waits for the arrival of Warren, the first crowd person. Warren is someone we can trust. He's like my side of the family. He holds the line. Your side are the runners. <laughs> Laughter from those who overheard. Would not miss Joseph Warren. He's my doctor. Mine too. Mine too. Best doc in Boston. He does everything. Man behind the resolves, the Congress, the militia. Sons of Liberty and Safety Committee. He is so handsome. A widower. I believe, and charismatic. Oh, he's my doctor. So charming and caring. I'd like to try him too. They all giggle. A man says, I bet you would. <laughs> How rude, the women say. Harvard man, like his fellow physician Jeffries, but I prefer Warren. He's more true. Three wealthy men looking down from a balcony. Excellent crowd from all stations of life. Maybe this liberty idea is catching on. Providence truly shines from within Warren. He makes him feel it. True, his passion and his valor are unequal. He is capable of achieving anything, even, well, except impossibilities. I see your point. Dim chance in my mind as well. But if he does succeed, I can back Warren. He has no interest in giving special political privileges to the disenfranchised. He realized that sounds miserly and quickly give and what I meant. I do. Each individual must rise up in all things from his perception of his divine self within. And it is up to every one of us to help others if they have not yet begun to show forth the fruits of their many lifetime labors. You are a better man than I. No, not at all. But Warren is God's open vessel, filled as he is with unselfish zeal and spirit of enterprise. Ah, look there. I believe he comes. Cameron now pans across the crowd and rests on Warren, galloping toward the waiting throng at a fast clip.